With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show and to our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are across the U.S. and and beyond. Uh, welcome to um, Shattered Lives. Uh, this is a lovely day here in the beginning of December, uh, and I'm speaking to you here live in Connecticut with my co-host in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And today we have guests from the Baltimore area, and... Um, uh, one of them is a repeat guest, and one of them is a new guest. Uh, and before we get into the uh, heart of the matter, um, I'm very glad to have them on. Let's say good morning to Delilah. Hi, Delilah. How are you doing? What's going on? Hi, Donna. Well, just like everyone else, trying to get ready for holidays. And, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful day here. It's, it's sunny shining. It's great. And, uh a great day for radio, let's put it that way. And yeah, looking forward yeah. to this show because we've always had such wonderful information um, coming from the Guardian Angels and Marcus especially because he's been on so many times, which is great. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so I'm excited to have him back. I'm excited to have um, the listeners once again hear about the things that the Guardian Angels do. And I think in, in the light of everything that's going on in our world right now, um, hopefully the guardian angels can restore something to our neighborhoods. Yeah, absolutely. I think we need all the help that we can get. And just just so that people know, we have three former shows prior to this regarding um, the guardian angels and different facets, and this is a whole new slant on things as well. We always try to give you cutting-edge information. And just so that people know, we were introduced to them through the Q Center for the Missing annual conference. And uh, just so that people know, that is coming up as well. To do my little commercial in, um, in March of 2016. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I hope that they will come back and be part of it as well. So good morning. Good morning uh, to, to Marcus 
Strider Dent and to Dina Roney, uh, who is our featured guest today, because we have a very um, unique show with regard to her relationship with the Guardian Angels. Good morning to both of you, and welcome to Shattered Glass Radio. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, it's uh, great to have you here. Um, I would like to start out since we are we are featuring um, a, a new person with us here. Um, Marcus, would you like to maybe introduce us to our featured guest, Dina, and tell tell a little bit about the background and how you came to acquire her skills, shall we say? <laughs> well, I tell you what, we were really, really blessed and lucky to have met Dina. Now, as you know, we restarted the Guardian Angel chapter in 2006 here in Baltimore, Maryland. And at that time, one of the first meetings that I had was with former police commissioner Leonard Hamm. And uh, after that meeting, you know, Leonard Hamm gave us his blessing, and we went to a Southern District meeting, uh, a Southern District community meeting, where Dina was part of the uh, Neighborhood Service Unit, and so she was working there as a police officer. And that day I met Dina, and uh, after that, that was it. We've worked with Dina from the entire time up until her retirement after that with the Guardian Angels community um, programs, and Dina not only supported the Guardian Angels in the activities we were doing with the police department, but she, her and her family also supported the ones uh, that we did, you know, on our own, you know, Guardian Angels and some other organizations, and she would come in and help out, and her and her family actually uh, visited Richmond, Virginia, where we restarted the uh, uh, Guardian Angel chapter down there, I think it was maybe like five or six years ago, and uh, her yeah. whole family went down with us, and uh, it, I mean, it was great, so out so since 2006, Dina has always been a part of the Guardian Angels, but she hasn't been an official Guardian Angel. I mean, her and her family. So we we really been blessed with her. Okay, so just just to be clear for our listeners, she she was a police officer for many years, correct? And she's making she's made the transition from retirement as a police officer to a I don't know what her title is with the Guardian Angel, but she's a full fledged member of the Baltimore Guardian Angels, correct? Is that right, Dina? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, that's well, correct. Um, great. Tell us a little bit about the background, about you as a person, uh, uh, your, your, in your family, and what does your I, – I know a little bit about it, but let's share. What does your family have to do with this? When Marcus said your family joined, I think uh, – it's so it's a package deal here. This is very exciting. Tell us. Okay, I'm having a little bit of a trouble hearing you, but um, okay. so my background is that um, okay. So I'm married. Uh, my husband. I was married to my husband for 17 years. We have a 13 year old daughter. We have a 16 year old daughter, and I have a 25 year old stepson. And um, so uh, yeah, so that's that's my family. You know, we're really supportive of. Um, Marcus and the Guardian Angels, which now I'm a part of. So you know, it's um, that that's pretty much what um, what my family is like. What we do with the angels, we help out a lot with um, with uh, any of the projects. My girls are junior angels. Um, I'm sorry, my youngest is a junior angel. My 16 year old just transitioned into a full angel, and um, you know, we work very closely with them. Mhm. So, and is it 
I hope you can hear me better now. Is your 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 husband is a police officer as well? Yes, ma'am. My husband is a police officer. Wow. So you're you're a very dedicated family with regard to um, law enforcement and and the community. Um, can you can you tell us? Uh, uh, how you started out in your career and what kinds of things you were doing? Certainly. Um, I started out at, in the Southern District, which is where I was assigned my entire 20-year career. Um, I started out as a patrol officer, and um, I probably stayed in patrol maybe three years. Um, and then I was asked to come to a flex unit, which is like a detail squad where we're assigned different assignments to um, to help out. Um, you know, we're just another resource for the uh, district commander. And uh, at, I probably stayed in that unit for about three years. And then I was asked to come to a neighborhood services unit. I was asked by the sergeant of that unit to come and work for him. Um, and that was because he had heard stories about the way I dealt with the community, and he thought that I would be, you know, um, great to add to the squad that he at the time. And, um, you know, very young in my career, I I didn't want to say no to that opportunity because the fact was that I did enjoy working with the community. I enjoyed talking to people and helping people um, in the patrol, even as a patrol officer, and um, so I accepted the offer to, offer to come to the Neighborhood Services Unit, which is where I spent the last 14 years of my career. Mm-hmm. What's, can you give us some sense of like a day in the life of what a neighborhood services person would do versus what they do on parole, just so that we can kind of paint a picture? What, what would be a typical day? Um, well, the difference in a patrol officer and a neighborhood services officer simply is that a patrol officer handles calls to service. So the person that's calling 911 for the police, that's what the patrol officer is responding to. Um, as a neighborhood services officer, um, we're able to work within the community on a more one-on-one basis. We have more time to do it as opposed to a patrol officer who's being driven by 911 calls. So, um, and we were in neighborhood services, you're able to form relationships and lasting ones. You know, you're able to build the rapport as well as the trust within the community. And that doesn't happen overnight. That takes some time because they have to, they have to trust you in order to give Mm -hmm. you information that's ultimately going to help, um, you know, better the quality of life in their community. So um, that's what a neighborhood services officer is able to do. We're able to spend time and ultimately work with them on whatever it is they feel the issues are that's causing their quality of life to be hampered. So um, that's what we do. We don't come in as the expert telling them what they're going to do and how to do it. We come in as a partner to work together to be able to affect the change that they want to see in their community. Mm-hmm. Are you responsible, like, for a certain block radius, and you don't you don't go out of that area? Just all of your time is focused within a certain parameter. Um, in the beginning, um, of course, you have different supervisors who see things and then want 
you know, to implement things that would better the service of the neighborhood services unit for the for the district. So in the beginning, um, of when I first started in neighborhood services, there, you know, we went to meetings all across the the district, and there weren't that many uh, active communities in the Southern District at the time um, that I first became assigned to neighborhood services. There may have been eight to ten. And so we, you know, we would attend those community meetings. And, you know, that that was fine. However, you were focusing on not just one particular area. You were focusing mm-hmm. on all ten of those different areas, which were in different different parts of the district. Um, you know, and then probably about in 2008, 2009, we had a supervisor that saw that it would have helped if we, the district is broken down into four sectors, so four different areas. And in the unit, there's a sergeant and four officers. And he saw that it would make better sense to have an officer assigned to each sector or, or each area, one of the four of us assigned to, you know, that particular area so that we're able to better serve and focus primarily on that area. So I was assigned to the Brooklyn and Curtis Bay area. And although I I ended up knowing all because of before the transition to me working just on one section or one sector, um, I got to know all the people in the district, all the community organizations, you know, so, um, but I was able to just focus on the Brooklyn and Curtis Bay community at when I became assigned to sector or section one. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, but ultimately because of the great community relations um, that we had with the citizens in the Southern district, um, that eight to 10 community groups grew to 24. So right now there's 24 active community associations in the Southern district. Wow, that's wonderful. Um, can you give us some sense of the kinds of things that that you work on and problem solve within that that, that those sectors and those kinds of calls? I mean, does it have to do with uh, vandalism or you know uh, uh, keeping you know keeping drug dealing to a minimum or what kinds of things are do you deal with? And then I want to ask Marcus how that. How does that interface with the, the police community focus with what the guardian angels do? So if you could deal with that, I you know, it would be helpful do for you, me to understand. Well, the, do you want to go um, first, Dina? Sure, I don't mind. Um, what we dealt with in the neighborhood services unit could be something as very small as um, kids playing ball to something um, very serious as uh, drug dealing or, um, you know, or it could be information that someone has on um, a violent crime that took place. You know, they were able to, we had formed a relationship to the point where they were comfortable enough to talk to us. And that's really what's important, you know, and Mm -hmm. I feel in neighborhood services, what's important is permanency of that officer that's assigned to, to that particular sector or section. You know, um, because the in and out of, you know, transferring in and out of the of an officer in that unit, you know, it kind of, um, you know, it kind of disrupts the, the trust sure. that the community has, you know. So permanency is what I found is, is what, you know, helps 
tremendously. So even if there's a situation that, you know, the kids are playing ball and it's disturbing the neighbor and the ball's bouncing off the home or whatever, you know, they would, something as simple as that, they would call us and even though, you know, it would, you would think that, well, why can't you just knock on your neighbor's door and talk to them and ask them to, you know, have the kids stop throwing the ball against the home. A lot of people were uncomfortable talking to their neighbors, so they would call us. And we would handle it in a diplomatic way where we're not saying where the information came from, you know. And just right. uh, sometimes mediation is necessary, you know. And it, you'd be surprised at how how just the the um, interaction with the community and the neighborhood services police officer really resolved a lot of issues that people thought were very on you know very large. When it really all you had to do was talk or get the two of them to talk right. together. You so, have to um, kind of nip it in the bud so it doesn't become a larger problem. And so, Marcus, how does how do how would those kinds of things interface with? Uh, and now I'm sure Dina Dina has seen from you know from her perspective now uh, as being a, a guardian angel. How does that interface with with what you you would be doing parallel to the uh, community uh, police officers? Well, a lot of what the guardian angels do. Is just like Dina said, a lot, of, a lot of mediation type stuff. Now, mm-hmm. you know, the police, you know, are, are are reactive to a lot of things they got going on, and a lot of people don't take advantage of the fact that they have officers that did the same thing that Dina did when she was there as neighborhood services to help you walk through the police processes. Now, when it comes to the guardian angels, one of the best things that we're able to do is you keep in mind there's a lot of community members who, you know, are are uncomfortable talking to police don't know how to talk to police, don't know how to report things, or that, that, that kind of thing. But with the guardian angels, you know, people are able to come up to us and tell us pretty much anything, and they feel safe doing it because they know we're going to make sure that they're safe telling us everything's confidential. Nothing's going to bounce back on them, but they're not talking to the police or an authority and all this kind of thing. So they do come to us with all kinds of uh, questions, concerns, issues, and just general general talk. What we were able to do, or what we are able to do when dealing with the police department, is to be be able to bring a lot of these issues and concerns to them, and you know, from both sides of the table. And that's what. And you know, after 20 years of Dina's uh, law enforcement, her 14 years in neighborhood services, she's literally perfected everything when it comes to how the police interact with the community. And now, as a guardian angel, now, like I said, she's not brand new with what the guardian angels do and how we do it. But, you know, because of her understanding of, of working with us and what we do, she's able to do even that much more because now Dina has seen both sides of the coin. She knows the community aspect. She knows the police aspect. She knows the guardian angel aspect. So she's able to say, okay, here, this is what we have. So she's a lot quicker to bring, um, I guess, an understanding of what's needed right away because, you know, it's me. If it was me, I'd say, okay, look, I'm going to talk to the police department. I'm going to find out what I need. And I'd go to somebody like Dina and say, hey, this is what you got. You know, here, Dina's able to just boom, 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 boom. You know, so it right. cuts out time oh, and half and gives such valuable. a better understanding. I can I can see where that would be extremely valuable. And um, has, has Dina, has has um, this – have you been able to form um, – Sort of better relationships and collaborations with uh, your your peers in the police department as a result of this new position. How has this been? You know, and kind of springboard off of that. How has this been perceived by the police that you're, you've sort of 
you know, transitioned into this? Has this been an, an a seamless thing? Have they embraced you in this? Is, is this is this unique across the country? Well, I mean, I don't think that um I don't think it's too much of a surprise because they knew that my my kids were um angels and it's something that the guardian angels is something that like Marcus said that I work with the group since 2006. So, um it's just I just took off the 8-point hat and put on a red beret, you know, um you, you know, just um still involved with the community to a certain point and the community, you know, welcomes that because like I said, you know, permanency is very important in a neighborhood services unit. And then once that person is gone, then they have to get used to someone else that they have to trust or whatever. And I think that I kind of help along the way, you know, I, I help them understand that it's okay. You know, although I'm not a police officer anymore, you know, um, it's still okay to form this relationship with the new person that is um, going to represent your area now and help you with those quality of life issues that also um, I can still help in some way, but as a guardian angel, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Do you find that you're getting sort of increased trust when they remember you as a police officer, but now you're an angel? So therefore, oh, okay, um, and, and this is cool, or how are, the, how are the neighborhood people embracing you in this new position if they knew well, you from before? Well, because they always had a lot of respect for the guardian angels. They trusted them and respected them. So for me to transition over, you know, it was it's just a plus. You know, it's not it's not something that I had to get them to um, – it's not an organization that I had to get them to trust because I'm a part of it. Fortunately, right. you know, the guardian angels are so well-respected, you know, in Baltimore. It just, you know, it just works out well. So uh, those right. people, you know, I, I still continue to work with them, and it's okay. So it hasn't been difficult at all. Well, that, that's wonderful. Um, Marcus, can you speak to the, to the um, point of how important is it to wear the, the uniform all the time so that people – People can can know right away who you are and, and that you're not police. And through, in your every waking hour when you're in the community, everyone, um, it's mandatory that everyone wear their red uniform so that they know. It, it's, believe it or not, the guardian angel uniform is probably the most important thing about being a guardian angel, and especially the red beret. The red beret is more important than the T-shirt and the jacket and you know, it's amazing because the thing is, soon as the because if we go into a community, one of the things that the police department realizes, you know, if they they got to go into a community to look for somebody, talk to, ask questions, that kind of thing. You know, they got to knock on doors and go to them. You know, the guardian angels will literally go into your neighborhood, and the people will see that red beret, and they're coming to you. You you know, they won't have you won't have to go address them. They'll, and people are comfortable enough, you know, to recognize that uniform and say, hey, you know what? I know these guys. This is okay. They're safe. And and they want to talk to us, you know. The more and if we go into a neighborhood with one or two angels, yeah, we'll get a crowd. We go into a neighborhood with twelve to fourteen, oh yeah, you get a bigger crowd. But you're noticed, and people are comfortable right away. So that uniform is very important. And at the same time, keep in mind that there are no guardian angels on the streets, especially on the, in my region, at any time in uniform that we don't know about. We make sure that if you put the uniform on, you're going out. You have a reason to have it on, and you have a reason to be out. And the other guardian angels know where you are and what it is you're doing. 
And when you're in that uniform, and now with most of the, well, basically with all the guard agents here in Baltimore, because we're so well-known in and out of uniform, you know, how you behave outside, in or out of that uniform is very important. You've got to watch what you say. You've got to watch what you do. You've got to watch how you walk. You've got to watch who you hang with. And, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a big, big responsibility. But at the same time, when it comes to uh, our credibility, it's, a, it, it's, it's awesome. It really is. But the uniform is one of the biggest, biggest perks about being a guardian angel. If you're wearing that uniform, you know, you've been approved somewhere that you're okay. Yeah. Well, I, I can see that. Well, I, I, I have a question. Yeah, I have a question for Dina. You know, when when you became a guardian angel, what kind mm-hmm. of things did you learn about the angels maybe you didn't notice before? Were there some were there certain things about them that you didn't realize until you actually became one? Oh, absolutely. They are the hardest working volunteers that I know. Um I did not realize how how busy and how um how much of a, a big schedule that they have, you know, they are dedicated like no other volunteer organization that I know, and they're committed to the cause. So while I've, you know, work we, the, as a neighborhood services officer or in the Southern District, while we partnered with them on different things like community meetings, you know, public safety meetings or um, citizens on patrol walks, I did not know, you know, obviously I didn't know their schedule and all that they uh, took part in. And, you know, I'm actually proud to be a a guardian angel. You know, it's, um, you know, I just did not realize how much work they put into this group as just as volunteers. So I'm actually proud to be a member. Well, yeah, and do other police officers, do other police officers I mean, maybe after retirement or if they leave the force, how many actually transition into becoming guardian angels? Well, I don't know that, but I can say that I managed to, um, I had, there was a partner that I um, had in my squad that I managed to, um, you know, ask him to come on board with me. He retired right after I did, so um, I was able to ask him to come on board um, as an angel as well. So, you know, um, so I, I I think that, you know, people people understand, they, you know, I don't know the answer as far as how many police officers actually do that. But as far as Baltimore, I would, I think I would be the first, Marcus. Is yeah. Um, three, Marcus? Is that what you told me the other day? Well, we have, we have, like Dina said, Dina did 20 years. And she joined, yeah. and she had a partner at the Southern District uh, named Dave Milburn, and he did 20 years and retired right after. So he's he's also uh, working another job now, but he also uh, has decided to join the Guardian Angels. And I think Dina has one more one more prospect in the loop. And the good thing about it is is that um, from we met with the police commissioner a few times, and and her district major that she actually worked for when in in service and. It's amazing the response you get from the top brass that, you know, that talk about Dina, you know. So if we go out without her, you know, hey, how's Dina doing? How's things, you know? So you can see that, you know, they are extremely proud to have her as a guardian angel also. And maybe Dina can talk about, you know, what she felt like with her meeting. Because, you know, the first meeting we had with the district major was kind of like I'm sure Dina has some anxiety going back into the police as an angel now. But I tell you what. 
Dina handled it like she was an angel for 20 years. The police department, <laughs> I mean, and her district major stood up and he, you know, gave her a hug, told how great it was. And every, I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was like, you know, there was no, well, you're new to this. I mean, he listened to every word she's, and I mean, she was there. So Dina, you want to talk about how that feels to you? Yeah. What, with what happened with the commissioner, uh, Dina, wasn't that like a very um, unusual meeting? Um. Yeah, I would. I would say so. Um, typically, as an officer, you know, um, you don't get the opportunity to, you know, sit and speak with the commissioner. You know, you don't have a meeting like that with the commissioner. So, um, not that you, not that you don't, you know, not that you don't get to talk to him. Maybe if he's invited to a um, community meeting or something like that, but. Typically, you know, it, that's not what you do. It's not necessary for you to meet with the commissioner, you know. Um, you meet mm-hmm. with your, you know, it follows the chain of command. So um, so to sit as an angel and have a, you know, have a meeting with the commissioner and just to just to hear the support that he has for the organization that I'm now a part of, you know, it was pretty interesting. So, um, well, what kind of I, things did you talk about at that meeting? Can you share a little bit? Oh, I think that more. It was more. Um, the meeting was more of the the conversation was basically from Marcus and Crush, you know, the assistant regional director. So pretty much, and I'm still learning. I tell Marcus all the time, "Don't let my hand go yet." You know, I'm not ready. I'm still learning. You know, um, this is altogether different from being a police officer. So. Um, it was just uh, I was just listening, you know. Um, I pr- I probably talked a little bit about what I did in the southern, um, but you know, it was just I, I did more listening than talking at that particular meeting with the commissioner. Mm-hmm. But they what was good about this meeting, you, Donna? Right? I said, okay. what was good about this meeting is that this commissioner is actually our new commissioner. So you know, granted, he's dealt with everything here but as a police commissioner now when he comes on board he's new so this was our introductory meeting to sit so he can actually get and talk to the guardian angels and what he sees that we can do for him and and how he can help the guardian angels as well and what was great about having dina there it was dina was able to talk about the police community relations from the police officer's point of view and uh and i mean that stuff is that's invaluable Sure, and they're having your commissioner. And, you know, in terms of dealing with um, the incredible number of homicides that you've had there, and it just seems to be continually rising, uh, I'm just wondering, Dina, has your philosophy changed in terms of what needs to be done to try to stem the tide of these homicides now that you're with the angels versus being in your former position? You know what? What are you thinking now about about the you know the impact of these homicides and what needs to be done going forward? No, I think that uh, I don't think anything has changed. I think our what's important is the uh, relationship with the police and the community. That's very important, and it's you know it's not going to change overnight. You know, um, it's a it's a really big deal to get someone to trust you. It's a really big deal to get someone to trust you enough to uh, give you information on criminal activity. And um, so 
it's um it's hard work but it's work that's worth it in the end because ultimately the goal is to have a better relationship with the police and the community so um i don't think my view has changed it's still important to have that um that partnership and that rapport and the the better any police agency gets with that, the better things will be for any neighborhood. So as an angel, you know, they're, like I said, they're, they're well-respected. You know, people come up to them. People come up to me as an angel. I was at an event and uh, someone who recognized me as a police officer, I'm in my angel gear and the guy walks up to me and he says, officer Roney, you know, and I thought that was pretty funny (laughs) because, you know, I'm even in angel gear, they still see me as officer Roney, but um, you know, I I worked really hard to form relationships and the rapport within the community. And I, I the Southern District had, I'm going to say this, and not because I was a part of it, but because I know and we hear it often, we had the best community relations unit and community uh, relations council. And you know, we had a we had a strong um, partnership with the community. That's what's important, you know, mm-hmm. and. I think that once that gets better, you know, you'll see things get better. Well, you're building bridges. And um, when you had that meeting, um, Marcus, with the new commissioner, do you see that there's going to be a different approach overall? Comparing the last show that you did with Crush with regard to the, with you know, the, the violence, do you see that there's going to be a, entirely different approach with this new commissioner or you 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 staying on course or what's what's going on with that well the, as far as the guardian angels we stay consistent with what it is we do but what i like about uh uh commissioner davis is that the short time that he's been here you've already seen sort of a difference in the community and the police department which is the biggest part to me was the concern about the police department you know who had went over so much um uh, changed over this last year but everybody seems to like the way the dust is settling within a department so that's a big deal you got to make the cops happy and when it comes to the community you know commissioner davis has been everywhere and doing everything and you know he is the kind of guy where when he comes in you know he he doesn't you know he's not this big tall image of you know authority he is literally one of the he comes in as one of the people and he enjoys talking to people i think he's going to build a lot of relationships and that is the most important part of bridging the gap between police and community he takes the time to listen he takes the time to talk to you he wants to know who you are as well as having you know who he is so i think i think we've already seen somewhat of the difference and i'm curious to see uh what's going to happen here after the first of the year when when you know he starts to get his, you know, his, his level legs on and, and we start to, uh, to do things. So, you know, I'm looking forward to working with him uh, as a commissioner and, you know, we've always worked with the police department, but now, you know, he's kind of taking it towards a, a more community effort and he's trying to get everybody involved and that's going to make the difference. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that sounds great. So he does have a, a plan of action that he's going to initiate and, and um, just the spillover effect, it sounds Sounds very positive. Do you, do you feel like, Dina, um, the key here is is to reach the young the young kids? Um, yeah, I I, I do, um, and that was something that we also did in the neighborhood services unit. Um, there were times that 
we would go to the library and read to the kids. Um, we went into the schools and, you know, whether it was a safety um, safety course that we gave to the kids or reading to the kids in the elementary schools as well, you know. Um, and, you know, I think that it's important to get to the kids because they feel like the police are so unapproachable. Um, and that's that could be a number of things, something that they saw, a family member that had some involvement um, with the police um, or something that they heard. But, you know, it's important that the children realize that, you know, the that the relationship with the police is, is not something that they should be afraid of. So if you're able to reach out to them, um, there's different programs as well in the agency, um, like the Police Explorers Program. Um, my partner was, um, was, you know, he headed up that program for the Southern District, which was really successful. So um, it's, I feel like, yes, reaching out to the youth and, you know, hearing, hearing them, again, not, not dictating to them, but hearing them. That's important. That's important even with your own kids, you know, listening to them. Right. Uh, yeah, that that sounds like I think that's the key to life here is to to get the kids young and to you know um, stem the tide right there to try to direct them to positive things. Um, Marcus, I I don't know um, I don't think I've ever asked you this with regard to it. Do you have? I know you go out into the community and so much of the time, but is there a centralized place within your different regions? where the community can come to your headquarters, if you have headquarters, I don't even know, where they can come and talk to you and report to you, or is it always you going to them? No, we, we do have a headquarters. We've been lucky enough to have a, a, a facility within the Southwest District in a community called Moore Park for basically the last seven or eight years. So um, everybody knows where to find us, when they want us, and we have had people come to Angel Headquarters if it's if they feel safer or comfortable to talk about it, and so what we make ourselves pretty um pretty user friendly when it comes to communities that want to get involved or want to report things or just look for general guidance. So we will try to go to them, and if they say, "Hey, we'll come with you," with you then you know they're more than welcome to do that. And we do hold uh, training sessions at our, our facility for community activities, um, public safety, even self defense. So we we do a lot of stuff at our headquarters. And, uh, yeah. So they Do you know want to get the it. address on the air so if people listening are unfamiliar and they are, you know, tell tell people where they can go if they want to come to you? Well, and what they do, if they want to come to us, the best thing for them to do is contact us because, remember, the angels are on the street all the time. But right. But if they contact us, you know, we will tell them the address and where to go and then con- they can call us at 410-916-2215. Or they can mm-hmm. send us an email at Baltimore Guardian Angels at Gmail. And angels is plural. So Baltimore Guardian Angels at Gmail. We always respond. We'll always get back to them. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll accommodate whatever we need to do. Well, th- yeah, that's great. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you about uh, a particular opportunity, Dina, that I get is, is coming forth for you. Um, and it, it may sort of change the change or embellish the, the whole experience here with regard to um uh an independent filmmaker. Can you can you talk about that? Someone from New York is interested 
perhaps in doing a documentary? Um, yes. I think it, her name's Marilyn Ness. There's not a whole lot that I can share about it um, because it's still and we're still talking about it. And right. pretty much when her schedule frees up after the first of the year, then, you know, we'll probably get working on it. But earlier this year, probably February or March, um, she came to the Southern District to do a ride-along. Um, and that's not uncommon. We get ride-alongs often. We would get ride-alongs often, wh- whether it's with a law student, a community member, um, a business person, or whatever. So um, I did not know who she was, and it didn't matter. You know, she came. She said she was a um, small film producer, and she wanted to do a ride-along and um, talk about community policing. And um, we did a ride along and it lasted a, probably a couple hours. And, you know, I was able to give her a lot of feedback on my career as a police officer um, and as a neighborhood services officer and did the ride along with her. She was pretty pleased with the information. It was myself and my um, partner, uh, David Milburn, and she was pretty pleased with what she learned about what we did in the Southern District. And I think it was maybe a month or two ago, she reached out to Marcus to uh, follow up with me on the film that she was doing. And, um, you know, we met probably a couple weeks ago to continue the conversation about the film. And, you know, it sounds like, uh, sounds like something really, you know, that I would be interested in. And it wasn't until she followed up with Marcus to locate me that I learned that she was a two-time Emmy award-winning uh, documentary <laughs> producer. So, really? Yeah, oh so goodness. I did not know. Is this going to be about you uh, or the guardian angels or both? Or do you, Marcus, can you, can you, Tell us a little bit about your conversations with her. Well, obviously, one of the things that uh, Marilyn Ness liked was the fact that, obviously, she was impressed with Dina during a ride-along. And one of the things about Dina is, no matter what it is, she's always low-key. She doesn't enjoy flash or glitter or none of that. And I don't think she really sees how people respond to everything she does. So she doesn't know how great she is. So when Marilyn Ness called and said, hey, you know, I have, you know, she said, I I have, you know, this, I I found out that Dina Rooney is a part of the Guardian Angels now. She said, I I did a ride along with her and I did an interview. We did some stuff. And is that right? And I said, yeah, she's actually retired now and she's part of the Guardian Angels. And it's late. She was ecstatic. You know, and obviously, like like I said, Dina is amazing. So, and, and like I said, look at the effect that she had on Marilyn Ness. So I called Dean. I said, hey, a friend of yours just called. And Dean is like, really? You know, I mean, just, you know, no excitement. You know, she's like, really? Okay. <laughs> you know, but, but this is, I think that this, this is a big deal. And like she said, this lady is an Emmy Award winner. She's sharp, you know. And, you know, it's, you know, like, like, you know, like my mother used to say, you know, you recognize, you recognize the good stuff when you see it. And the thing yeah. is, you know, for Dina to go, now remember, Dina was a police officer in one of the toughest states in the country, or most violent in the country. You know, for 20 years, she was in the same district. For 14 years, she worked with neighborhood services. And now she leaves, you know, you would think she want to run as far away as she can, as fast as she can. But instead, she joins the Guardian Angels and goes back to the same community that she's worked with before. You know, so that, 
is impressive, and that that people are amazed by that. Not Dina because she's not a big thing to her, but everybody <laughs> else. That's a big deal. She sounds like she takes it all in stride, and she's very dedicated. Uh, that's that's wonderful, Delilah. I know that you've you've um, had some experience in working with a few independent filmmakers, right? Um, I'm just curious about when they when they do their job. Is that do they look for people that are very inspiring like this, and they create something around that person, or is it pretty much project driven? Do you um, do you know? I think it works both ways from from the experience that I've had. You know, some producers will come up with an idea and they go out looking for, um, you know, for for people or or issues that fit into that idea for that project. And others Mm -hmm. uh, will work on the inspiration of the people that they meet, just like it sounds like, you know, this particular producer was really inspired by Dina and her work, and I see that quite often. Um, so, yeah, it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is wonderful, and I, um, you know, you sound, Dina, you sound very modest and very low-key, and uh, perhaps that's part of what, um, you know, attracted her, because you, you you fit the classic definition to me, an unsung hero, and um, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that she's going to build this, you know, around around you and and what you do. And I'm I'm very I'm very pleased. And uh, you know, I think that um, everyone is very proud of you and is going to be very excited that 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 this happened. And I'm, I'm sure that is your family very supportive of this coming up. Oh, absolutely. My family supports. We support one another. You know, and I I think that, um, you know, without my family, I probably wouldn't be as, you know, you, you guys wouldn't see me as you guys see me. You know, my family, we support one another in any project that we do. So I think that that helps all of us. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about your, your family. What, first of all, what, what type of policing does your, your husband do? And then let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, about your your children being involved in the guardian angels, so I'm just curious about that. Well, um, ironically, my husband is a neighborhood services officer as well. He is. Um, uh-huh. And uh, so we actually worked in the same squad since what? He came to the squad in 2009. He came to the squad as a um, as a bike officer a bicycle officer and um you know he then transitioned into when people left the unit whether it was retirement or reassignment um he became a neighborhood services officer as well and um so uh, we worked together but we were in the same unit but we did not work together if that makes any sense mm-hmm. um so he continues to serve in that unit, uh, one of the, the sectors over there in uh, the Southern District. Um, and, you know, he's he, he enjoys it. They really respect him as well. Um, the community, they support him, and he listens to them. He's really good. You know, he's really a really good neighborhood services officer, and he's the only one left from the squad that uh, I was in in June. When I left, I think three other, one, two, two, three, 
three other police officers retired and were reassigned. So he's the only one left. He has a new team now, but he's the only one left from the squad that I was in. Mm-hmm. And so he really loves that position. Does he love what he does? Absolutely. He's not only a neighborhood services officer, but he's also a field training coordinator. So when the trainees come out, when they graduate from the academy and they're sent to one of the non-districts, he's the coordinator for the southern district that uh, gets the trainees assigned to their field training officers. And, you know, he coordinates that for the southern district. Oh, wow. So you're a very busy, busy police family. How did your <laughs> – tell us about your about your daughters and how they became involved with the Guardian Angels, either either you or Marcus or both, because I'm sure you have your own perspectives on that. And how, how well, are you doing with it? Well, um, my oldest daughter became a, a junior angel, I think it was in 2011 or 2012. And um, – and my youngest daughter, she, you know, it wasn't something she wanted to be a part of. You know, she wanted to watch her big sister, as, you know, as younger siblings often do. And um, it wasn't until she started to realize that, you know, she got older. They're, you know, they're three and a half years apart. She got, you know, she became older and started to see that, that her sister was having fun with it and, um, you know, learning the self-defense and things of that nature that she decided that, she wanted to participate as well. So she is a junior angel as well as my younger cousin, who is the same age as my 13-year-old. So um, I kind of have my uh, my family a part <laughs> of the guardian <laughs> angels, and they have so much fun. I think they become overwhelmed by it at times because a lot of people, when we're out, a lot of people come up to them and want to take pictures, and, you know, they're – you know, they're just like they're stars, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and you know they they're having a blast with it. I can tell you that. Yeah, Marcus, what do the what do the junior guardian angels do in terms of duties? Well, they train the same way that the regular guardian angels do, as far as self defense and angel tactics and that kind of thing. Um, but they don't go out on the street on patrol. You will never see a junior guardian angel without a senior guardian angel two feet away from them. Um, so they get to hang out with us and do the community events, that kind of thing for, you know, when it comes to their peers in school and making the impression and, and young kids doing positive things, you know. But when uh, they don't patrol at all, we, they're never in a situation where uh, something can even have a chance of kicking off you know, as far as, you know, violence or something unsafe. So they're never in that, that network. But the main thing is, just like her daughter, um, Jess, who joined when, you know, in 2011, she, was, she joined as a junior angel. And as she came up, you know, it's such an easy transition because now she takes the junior angel shirt off, she puts the senior angel shirt on, and, you know, now she can go on patrols with us. She can go to the meetings about domestic violence and, and, and issues and those kind of things. But she knows because she spent so much time with the guardian angels how we do things, what's involved. You know, she, I mean, her kids are great. They can literally tell you what I'm going to say if they ask me a question. So they're awesome. So, but you learn how to live your life as a guardian angel and helping people and doing the right thing. And, and it's a transition that even the senior angels who join, you know, you won't have people that join. It's all brand new to them. They've never volunteered before. But within the next two or three months, they're not going to the bars, hanging out with certain friends. 
They're not smoking in public. They're not, you know, you, you, you kind of change yourself to fit the uniform because you take pride in it, not because somebody's beating and saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, but because of the fact that, hey, you know what, this is, this is awesome, this is what I like. So you kind of change your whole self on a positive aspect. Are there any particular um, inspiring comments that they might have made to either of you uh, in the course of their duties that you say, well, gee, this this kid has really grown and I'm very proud of them? I mean, there's something that kind of sticks in your mind, Dina? Well, I think um, my, my kids are are driven anyway, but being I think that uh, being a guardian angel they are they see things that they feel like they can help as well and what they've done is uh recently they put together a youth group for girls called youth accepting change and uh where the girls uh meet and actually today is their uh holiday meeting it's their christmas meeting which is going to be a sweepover as well here at my home but uh you know it's uh to affect change and empower young teenage girls to be all that they can be. So I think um, this uh, being a part of the guardian angels has them wanting to be more, give more and do more. So this, you know, this is something that their peers really look forward to their monthly meeting. So I think that in that aspect, wow. it has helped them to do something like that. Wow. That's, that's wonderful. You, yeah. Like I say, you must be so proud. Um, uh, Marcus, can you tell us a little bit about? Uh, no, I know it's not definite. It sounds like, but the other the other two recruits that may be coming on. I mean, you're sort of um, trying to get a commitment, or one may be coming on. Uh, is this something that you're you're going to be actively doing because you see the value in having a former police officer with 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 you? Well, this actually kind of came apart pretty quickly, and a lot of it is due to the fact that, like I said, Dina was probably the top neighborhood service officer there. And when she came aboard, and remember, they followed their lead there, you know, her lead there. You know, Dina's good at what she does. And so we really didn't go out and, and coach anybody to come aboard. You know, Dave Milburn has worked with the Guardian Angels as well, and he's, like, he's Dina's partner. So it's only natural. He's going to say, hey, okay. you know what, I got this because I'm sticking to my mm-hmm. partner, so he's going to help. And the other officer I haven't met yet, but he did uh, talk to Dina. So a lot of this stuff is driven by Dina, but I think that what we're going to see is we are going to see um, more law enforcement officers that are going to come aboard and, and help out. And, you know, you think about what, you know, even if they don't join, you know, I'm still friends with the past commissioners, um, you know, uh, uh, Ed Norris was a great commissioner there. Leonard Ham, awesome. You know, Fred Bielfeld, all these guys. And, you know, the police officers that you see in your travels and you work with, you know, usually you, you can always call on them. You can ask them for help. You do whatever. But they're involved some way. But I think Dina kind of took it out of a whole new door here because when they come up to her and say, hey, what made you join the Guardian Angels and what are you doing? Now she has something to tell them, hey, look, <laughs> you need to check this out because this is what we, what we, got, what we got going on. And, well, and I, you know, and we are just honored, proud, you know, and we will take whatever comes. You know, this is great. Well, I hope it's a national trend, you know. I, I, I really do because this is, this is, this is just a, a great thing to have happen. Delilah, in our parting minutes, we've got maybe, uh, uh, you know, seven, eight minutes. Do, do you have any questions that maybe I have not covered? 
Oh, well, I don't have anything written down, no. Okay. <laughs> but well, I guess, <laughs> I, guess I, I, I guess it. I always wonder how how the guardian angels, when you come upon a violent situation, how is that handled or how is it prevented? Or do you, you know, do you bring in, I'm, I'm sure you bring in police when it's necessary because that's what you do. But it just seems like not only our neighborhoods, but every place across the nation is meeting violence with more violence. And it doesn't seem to be working. So can you just briefly speak to that? Oh, yeah. And one of the best things now, we restarted our chapter in 2006. So next August is our 10-year anniversary. So although within those 10 years we've broken up fights, I've had my angels take weapons off of people, you know, we've, we've pretty much run in the most bad situations that you can, and not one of those situations has been handled with any physical or violent contact at all, at all. And one of the things that we do, we train constantly on how to defuse a situation, we, how to approach it, how to get involved in it. You know, the first thing we do, we're not the cops. We're not going to say, oh, well, you know, you just got to do, you know, we make sure that we make those calls. This is what you got to do. But, you know, one of the things that I'm most proud of is that as a guardian angel in uniform with all your like-minded team members who train constantly on how to handle this, you go into these situations without coming in as an aggressor. You know, you come in and say, hey, you know, we need to, we need to talk this down. We need to figure this out. So a lot of times the presence of the guardian angels literally stops an encounter, an activity, a fight. I mean, we've, we've come up and people that are fighting have looked at us and said, oh, wow, the guardian angels. And they literally will stop that fight. You know, they don't do oh, wow. the last thing they want to date. I mean, and it, it's, a, it's impressive. And like I said, we, we train on what to do, how to do it, and, and when to do it. But the main thing that we like is the fact that usually when people, we come up on a violent, and we have. Like I said, our guys are taking knives and weapons. And when we come up, they see us and they stop. Okay, we're done. You know, and... And that's the best way to be, you know, and well, that's at the same that's, time. Wow, yeah. Is there, yeah, so it, what's the ratio now with regard to um, male and female guardian angels, just, just you know, for well, discussion's sake? I'm not sure what it is nationally or globally, but we do but have, we, I mean, you know, we don't, we're a great organization where we have everybody here, all walks of life, people from everywhere. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have, you know, Baltimore, you know, the majority of my leadership team is made up of female guardian angels. You know, Crush is my assistant director. I got Dina and Jazz and Lace all a part of the community outreach team. And these are the ones that I go to when I want to make something happen. So my, you know, we run, we we oversee the Richmond chapter. She is, and that's run by a female. And I'm telling you, you know, that I mean, it's just they make the Baltimore chapter stronger. There's no doubt about it because when I mean we can get all. I'm not saying the guys don't don't do anything. They do. I have tax man. I have Tazers Beast, and you most most you met most of these guys, you know. But right. the thing about it, the females that come into this regional uh, chapter of Guardian Angels, you know, you have the opportunity to rise to the top of the ranks. You have the opportunity to do all the heavy lifting if you want to do it. Because the thing is. We are all involved, so you're not separated by this male-female thing. But luckily here in Baltimore, you know, my top team members are majority female. So 
I'm on it. <laughs> so, well, I, you know. I think you're doing the right thing there because, you know, there's a lot of talent there, and um, there's nowhere to go but up. And I think with having people like Dina and a new police commissioner and reaching out to the young people and getting the entire families involved, you are definitely going to make a really positive impact in 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 your area there. And I I just hope that across the country that the other that the other chapters of the Guardian Angels are equally equally doing as well as you because if if they are then we we know that these these uh, incidents of violence that break out, which is what happened in San Bernardino and you know uh, Sandy Hook and all of these other places, that we can't help but you know um, decrease the violence. We have to, and we have to put the emphasis on on the victims versus the the perpetrators. And by building a strong community, I think that is the the only thing that we can do. Is And what you're doing is so inspiring, and I'm so blessed to know you and to be able to feature you on the radio. Um, and I just hope that you will all continue to keep in touch with us because I think the, the things that are happening in the future are things that we need to know about nationally. So I know that you'll keep in touch with us, with us Marcus. And, um, Dina, I hope that you'll stay in touch with me too because I'm so blessed to have met you and I wish you all the best, you and your entire family. And um, with, with thank you so said, much. You, well, you're you're entirely welcome. Um, and I hope that we can c- continue to follow your progress. And so I believe we're going to have to wind wind the show up here. Um, Delilah, do you have any parting comments you'd like to make? Oh, I just wanted to say thank you again to Marcus for always being there. Um, you're yeah. you're always ready to go, and by and bringing people such as Dina to our listeners, so that we all get a better understanding of exactly what you do out there and all the good things that are happening. Um, we don't often hear of the good things that happen, and you guys are doing a great job. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we can't thank, thank you. you enough. Shattered Lives has done a great deal for us, and, and we do appreciate it because you do get the information out there. So you actually help, and you, you, you help a great deal. So thank you. Well, it's, it's our pleasure. And be sure to uh, go to the archives. We've got four shows now on you, and uh, we'll, we'll do our best to continue to feature those as well. So with that, we're going to wind it up today. And please do go to DonnaGore.com, ImaginePublicity.com, uh, and and see all the all the good works that we try to feature for crime victims, and uh, we will see you next Saturday. Be well and happy holidays, everyone. Thank you. You're welcome.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.